We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. Places where we can get in trouble, we can wreck our lives if we're not careful. And guardrails are there to keep us that if we get too close to the edge, we're going too fast, we'll hit that guardrail and it will hopefully save our lives. God's Word has lots of guardrails in it to protect us from wrecking our lives. I talked about our finances last week. Today I want to talk about the second topic. A chauffeur was retired for a very wealthy man and so he was going to have to hire his next person in line. So there were three men who showed up to be chauffeurs. So he took them up onto the mountain, gave them the keys to the limousine, and told them to see how fast they could come down the mountain. Well, the first one got up to 60 miles an hour, and then he stopped within five feet of the edge of the cliff. Got out with a smile on his face, handed the keys to the next guy. The second guy got in the car, got in the limousine, drove 65 miles an hour, stopped the limousine in three feet of the cliff. He got out, handed the keys to the third guy. The third guy said, this is as close as I want to get, and handed the keys back to the chauffeur. The third guy was hired on the spot. I don't want a chauffeur seeing how fast he can go and how close to the edge he can stop. Do you? I don't want somebody who's in my life seeing how fast we can live and how close to the edge can we get. But a lot of people live like that. How fast can I live? What kind of fast lane can I get into? And how close to the edge can I get without wrecking? Today I want to talk about don't wreck your sex life. I told you last week, it doesn't matter what age you're in. I've seen marriages of 40, 50, 60 years get wrecked because they wrecked their sex life. It's a personal standard of behavior. My standard may be different from yours because it's how I have set my guardrails in my life. I have a lot of guardrails in my life. When I first moved here, the first thing I did when I got into my new office was I put a big window between my office and my office manager's office. And I told her that if I have someone in my office and you leave your desk, you're fired. Zero tolerance. You know why? Because pastors are losing churches and ministry because of something that happens in the pastor's office. We've got to have guardrails. I want up there to say, I have a friend of mine who lost his ministry because a woman said that he, he touched her inappropriately in the office. The door was shut. There were no windows. He could not have anyone to witness. And so therefore, her word was taken. True or not. Doesn't matter. We've got to have guardrails. And I have guardrails all over my life because it's a personal standard of behavior to protect me, my wife, my children, my grandchildren, my ministry, my church. Because what goes on in the pastor's life affects 
everybody, and so does yours. What goes on in your life affects others. So first of all, let's talk about this origin of sex. Genesis chapter 2, verse 20 through 25 says this. So the man gave names to all of the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, closed it up, the flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife, God made her, but now she's his wife. Do you see the transition? Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. The first thing we have to understand is this. And this is why this has to be preached. We've got to understand God's word about this. Sex is God's idea. He originated this. It is a wonderful, beautiful thing when it is done in the parameters of God's Word. It's a beautiful thing. Sex is God's idea. Number two, sex is for marriage. Amen. Marriage. God told them to leave their father and mother, but Adam and Eve didn't have fathers and mothers, did they? But He told them to set a precedent. And when a man and a woman get married, they are now to be one flesh. They leave their parents. They start their own life. And they now are cleaving to one another, not cleaving to parents. God said this is the standard for all marriages. Number three, sex is more than a physical act. More than that. We look at it as a physical acts. But I want to show you and I want to tell you today how God views sex. We have our heart, right? Our beautiful heart. It's a wonderful thing when we give our heart to someone. We had a beautiful story on, on Friday of uh, Miss Jackie and Mr. Bob when she was in the seventh grade. She looked across the playground and said, who is that? <laughs> Miss <laughs> Sandy in the seventh grade looked across the a homeroom class. I was playing chess, and she said, Who is that? Boom, 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 boom. So she has a heart, and I have a heart. And when we come together, it's more than a physical act because God views sex as a spiritual act as well. So here's what happens. When I take my heart and I give my heart to Sandy and Sandy gives her heart to me and we get married, God views it this way that when we have this beautiful thing that God has created, my heart and her heart are put together. I don't have much room up here. And so our two hearts now become what? One heart. So God no longer views us as one. 
And this happens in sex, whether we are married or not. When we have sex, God looks at the heart spiritually and says, the two have now become one in God's eyes. So that's why he says it's for marriage. So that when I give my heart to her, she, now we just have one heart between us. And our heart then goes to God. And thank God for all the blessings that he's given to us because we do things together. We're one. We are now leading our parents, living our lives together. It's more than a physical act. They were not ashamed. Why? Because it was all done the way God wanted. Adam was the husband. Eve was the wife. There's no shame. Number four. Sex outside of marriage is shameful. That's what God says when it happened. When Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? Shame. Shame. I've had people tell me this in Ponca City. Pastor, I'm having sex outside of marriage and I don't feel any shame. I'm the happiest I've ever been. And I don't think there should be any problem with I love all people. I'm preaching this message in love. I want you to hear this. But we have caused, because of society, to take away the shame. When I was growing up, we didn't even talk about things like this. Wasn't needed. Now, there's been issues ever since time again. We know that. There have been issues. But now we have a, a rampant problem in our society with rape, with sex trafficking, child pornography, foster care is exploding, STDs and AIDS. Why do you think God set up guardrails? He doesn't want us to get all of these diseases and have all of these issues in society. He said, I've got a way to do it, and if you do it my way, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful thing, and it will be a blessing to you your entire life. You don't have to worry about it. And i got to tell you, if we could just get this one part of our society thinking God's way, God's word, it would fix so many other issues. So many other issues. It is rampant today that we have no fathers. The young girls, the grandparents are raising all the grandchildren and the children. This is not the way God said it should be. Now listen, we've got to have all the love in the world. I love everybody. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. Here's what God says, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. Flee from sexual immorality. What does that mean? Run, get out of there. Do like Joseph. Leave your coat if you have to. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So this has to do with my body now. Because my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So when we honor God, we honor Him with our lips, our praise, our worship. But it goes beyond. He says, listen, your body's not yours. It's mine. And you've got to honor me with it. We don't need to see how close we can get to the edge and not wreck. 
John chapter 8, a woman is caught in adultery. There were those who were condemned. And they brought her to Jesus to condemn her. Jesus knelt down, wrote in the sand. Theologians have all kinds of speculation. Some said that he may have written women's names down that these men maybe have been with. But when he got up, they were all gone. The condemners were gone. Now listen, there should be no condemnation in the church. None. We trade that. All the condemners need to get out of it, leave. But there has to be conviction. That's totally different. When Jesus stood up and he looked at the woman, he said, neither do I condemn you. I want you to hear that today. No condemnation. But he did say this, go and sin no more. We, we can't let society say, yes, Jesus loves you, but he wants you to stay there. No. He wants you to sin no more. Change. Repent means I'm going this way. I repent. I am now going in this direction. It's a guardrail. I've changed. We have pastors today who are debating this topic left and right. We have an AG uh, pastor site that our pastors are debating this left and right. And, I, and I'm sitting there in amazement. And I think even our pastors don't even know the word of God. We, we've got to love people in, in, in absolutely one bazillion percent. But should they feel conviction from the preaching of the word, we should say God loves you and God forgives and God embraces you and God has grace and mercy. But... Don't live like that anymore. Honor God. Honor the one who gave his life for you because this is a guard rail. My heart is all about forgiveness, but it's also all about how can we teach you and help you to learn to go and sin no more. And this is in every area of life, right? Not just our sex, but in every area, our thought life. Our words that come out of our mouth. All areas of our life. We try to say, help us, Father, not to sin. So there's some guardrails for married couples. Let me give you these. If you're married today, here's some guardrails that I think will help you out. Number one, don't travel alone with someone of the opposite sex. Guardrails. It's my personal standard. It doesn't have to be yours, but it sure has saved me a lot through the years. Number two, don't eat alone with someone of the opposite sex. You won't ever see me out in a restaurant with, with another woman by myself. Not going to happen. Because I want to guard my wife. If, if it has to be, I'm going to ask Sandy to come with me. Sandy, would you come with me to, to lunch? Help me out here. These are not sins. But these are guardrails to keep you out of trouble. See. Don't fall into the Facebook trap. 68% of divorces are because they met somebody else on the internet. Talking about married couples here. They met them on Twitter, Facebook, FaceTime, on and on the list goes. And it starts out with just a simple little, hey, we should talk. Listen. This is deception. It will get you into a trap. It will get you into trouble. Married couples, let me give you some advice here. You should not have secret codes. 
that are kept from your spouse. You should not have passwords that your spouse doesn't know about. Uh, I've had couples come in my office and one person will say, well, I need my privacy, Pastor. Listen, the day you got married, you lost your privacy. I'm serious. You get married, you don't have privacy. Everything you need, she needs. Everything you know, she knows. Come on. You lost we, 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 we should not get married. I trust my wife. And if she says, hey, I need your password, she already knows all my passwords. She sets my passwords. I have to ask her, what's my password? There are no secrets in couples in marriages. There can be no secrets. D, don't confide in or counsel the opposite sex. I've had this be a trap for so many men and women through the years. It starts out like this. Well, my wife or my husband, they just don't listen to me. They don't pay attention to me. And he listens or she listens. Well, listen, if their spouse doesn't listen, then you shouldn't listen either. Come on. We're talking about our marriage here. We're talking about our heart. My heart. Eve. Listen to your spouse. Through the years, there have been women who have come into the churches that we have pastored. And God has given me a beautiful wife who tells me, Honey, be careful. She doesn't look at you the right way. Be careful. I thank God for giving me a spouse who watches out. Men, listen to your wife. They know what other women are doing when they look at you. Absolutely. That, that's your gift. God is giving you a gift. You need to listen, listen. Here's what God did not tell me to do. God did not tell me to build the church. God builds the church. You know what God told me to do? Love my wife as I love myself. So today, you're not to build the church. You're to love your wife. You're to love her above all else, even yourself. Love her. Most affairs happen because of a work-related issue. You know, you wake up in the morning and your wife may, or your husband may have bad breath, hair crazy, no makeup on. So does the person at work. They wake up bad breath, crazy hair, and all walked out too. They just always look good and smell good at work. got to take care of this. Working on projects together, presentations, staying late, deadlines, going on a trip for the job. We've got to be careful. Guard yourself. F, be honest with yourself and stop. Then he's out to kill, steal, and destroy. We don't need him to destroy any marriages. So that's some guardrails for couples. For married couples. So if you're married today, that part of the message was for you. Now I've got some things to say to singles. Hey, guardrails for singles. Hey, gouge out your eyes. It's optional. It's optional. And I got scripture. Matthew 18, 9, if your 
dry causes you to stumble, gouge it out, and then throw it away. So don't keep it so you can put it back in. Gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. And see, we don't talk about hell. We've got to understand everything we do has serious consequences. Now, this is what is called hyperbole. Matthew is not saying to literally gouge out your eye. But he is saying be careful when you're single who and what you're looking at. And if, it's, if this thing offends you, then stop looking at it. If you cannot control yourself, then stop looking at it. So don't really gouge out your eyes, but do whatever it takes to keep your eyes on God. B, apply married couple guardrails with married couples. I've seen singles break up a lot of married couples. Don't wreck a marriage. If somebody else is married, leave them alone. Apply all the, don't go to lunch with a married person. Don't go on a trip with a married person. Don't, don't be alone with a married person. Those things just don't look good. See, for singles, no missionary dating. I know girls have come to me for years, 30 years. But pastor, I know I can save you. I know I can change you. I know I can fix you. I don't know why you ladies think that you can fix us. Here's what the Bible says. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial, which is Satan? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? You see all the contrast? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Right. Yeah. You see, do not be yoked. That's a farming term. How many of you know what a yoke is? Where you yoke two animals together. Now the only way a yoke works is when two animals are the same animal. What happens, let's just say you have an ox, you need to yoke it with an ox. If you have a donkey, you yoke it with a donkey. Because an ox and an ox have the same gait, have the same strength, and they walk in harmony. A donkey and a donkey will have the same gait, will have the same step, and they will walk in harmony. Now what happens when you yoke two animals that are not alike, you yoke an ox with a donkey, you know what you're going to have? One animal will kill the other animal. Because the strongest animal that has the strongest will and the strongest muscles and the strongest gait will literally kill the other animal. So the ox will kill the donkey, or in some cases, the donkey will kill the ox. If you are an ox, don't go to the bars looking for ox. Because you're going to find a whole bunch of donkeys. Come on. 
and you're going to go, but I'm going to fix them. No, they're, going to, they're either going to kill you. You'll find yourself not coming to church anymore, not reading the Bible anymore, because either him or her, either one, they don't want to come to church. They don't feel comfortable. They don't, they don't want to read the Word. They don't, you know, when we were dating, my mom and dad told me, keep Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John between you. That's pretty safe dating, right? Don't get hooked up with an unbeliever. Get hooked up with a believer. We told our daughter and son, we don't care what color somebody is. And we, we never care. Yellow, black, brown, red, orange, purple, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is are they a believer? That's the only question. I'm not, do you believe the same way? Do you believe in God? Because if you don't have that harmony, you're going to have a lot of trouble in your marriage. I mean, every area of your marriage is going to be tested. How you live your life, how you spend your money. Well, we need to tithe. I ain't tithing in the church. I'll tell you what right now. I'm not going to pay my tithe. Well, and then, then how, you, how you discipline your children. That comes into play. All of these things. I want to tell you, get hooked together with someone who believes. Believers with believers. Unbelievers with unbelievers. D. Singles. Listen. No sleepovers. I'm giving you good advice. Here's things I've heard. Well, Pastor, I don't want him falling asleep on the way home. I would feel so bad. I would never forgive myself. Or, I just feel safe when he's here. I like it when he tucks me in at night. Come on. These are traps. You're going to hit that guardrail and you're going to mess up. Ephesians 5 verse 3 says this, But among you there must not be even a hint. What's a hint? A hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy this, these, these things are improper for us. Just the hint of it. Much less the overtness of our society today. Listen. The effects of cohabitation. 80% break up before they are married or shortly after in divorce. 80%. 12% of them have a marriage that lasts more than 10 years. Only 12%. It decreases the quality of the marriage. It decreases the happiness and the joy. It increases the physical and the emotional abuse. 50% never marry, but repeat the process over and over and over. That's on the adults. Now here's what it does to the children. The children are 10 times more likely to be sexually abused by a step-parent. These are facts. They are three times more likely to be expelled from school. They are five times more apt to live in poverty. 22 times more likely to be incarcerated. And three times more likely to get pregnant as a teenager. So parents, singles, whoever you are, do not buy into this lie. The kids will be okay. They won't. 
They are damaged. They are hurt. I have dealt with children who are now adults because of the actions of their parents. I deal with that almost weekly. The effects that adults are still having because of the way their parents acted when it comes to this thing called sex. Sex. So today, I want you to understand, I have an illustration here. I like illustrations, don't you? I want you to understand something, that sex is not an event, but it is a process. Process. And so here's kind of the way it goes. We have what I call, today I'm renaming it, this is the sex ladder. So the way this thing starts out, you remember this, right? You get real excited, and the first step is what? Hold an hand. She held my hand. Heart racing. Palpitating. Boom, boom, right? Remember those innocent times holding hands? That's why I still love holding Sandy's hand. And, 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 we, and we had a great time, still do, holding hands. But how many know that even holding hands for a little while, you got to go, well, uh, take it up to the next level. And so then we step it up to kiss it. That's better than holding So once you, once you find out that this is a process, once you get to step two, if you go back down to step one, well, that's not as much fun as it, we thought it was. Have you noticed that in your life? It's like, oh, let's go back up here. Uh, not as much fun. And then we get into the next step. That's where little people get start getting nervous. Pastor's talking about this, can't believe it. But then we step up. So then we got, no, no, I don't need you, but I got to. Hold it. But thank you for being concerned. Holding hands, kissing, and now we're petting. Well, I just took it to another level, didn't I? Made another step in our relationship. So now things are getting serious. And then we uh, make it to the next level. I want you to remember this. Are you writing it down? You got your notes, okay? I don't want you to be so engrossed by my illustration that you're not taking notes. <laughs> then the next step is this. Big time kiss. BTK. <laughs> this is not the regular old. The first time I kissed Sandy, her mother had put up a basketball goal to entice me to come to her house. You got to remember, we're 12 and 13 at this time. The first time I kissed her, she was standing beside the goal. I dribbled the ball, went up for a layup, and on the way up, gave her a kiss on the cheek and made the shot. Now, the reason why I don't know why she married me is because she asked me, well, how was it? And then a 13-year-old, how I many know we're real stupid? Guys are real stupid anyway, but I was real dumb at 13. 
Here's what I said. Here's my response. Well, I've had better. <laughs> I don't know why she's still around. I don't know why she's married. And then, we have this next step. This gets real serious. Intercourse. Because, once you take steps up in your relationship, it's hard to take a step back then. And so when we do this, we understand. We've got to understand. We've got to, well, where does God's word factor in here? How far do we go? What happens in our relationships? Because I'm going to tell you, once you get to this level, most people fall. It'll get you in trouble. And this is where our society, I've had young ladies, and listen, this is me just being your pastor and telling you straight up. I've had young ladies tell me this. Well, pastor, he bought me a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought he deserved it. Now listen, this is where our society, this is not funny. This is where our society is. This is why our society has told our young girls and our young boys that the first date, we're here. First date, second date, we're here. Well, what happened to all this? Well, that all got bypassed. And this is where our society is today. And then, then we've got all, all, a lot of people, they just want to condemn. We're not here to condemn. We're here to love and say, wait a, wait a second. Let's teach you what God's Word says. Because if we know the Word of God and if we're, we're children of the Most High God, we're going to love our kids and we're going to teach them this. And used to, you could wait until they were 13, 15 years old. But now we've got to teach them. Why? Because our four and five-year-olds are asking questions. Well, the church has been silent. Because, well, we just don't want to talk about it. Well, you can either talk about it in here or we'll talk about it when you have problems in your home. As a pastor, let's, let's talk about it in here. I had so many people this last week calling me, hey, that was great. I'm going to put this into my life. I want to help me get my finances straightened out. Wonderful. We need to get this straightened out too. Because this is rampant in our society. And the church does not want to talk about it because so many people are involved. People will leave the church. People. Here's what I found. When people know the truth, conviction, not condemnation, conviction gets our hearts. We want to get right with God. I've had people here. Listen, I've had people in Papa. They've come to me and said, Pastor, we need to get married. I said, when? They go, today. Guess what we do? We get them married today. You say, Pastor, what about the premarital counseling? We'll do that post-marriage. Let's get them married. Let's get things right in the eyes of God. Get things done right. And then we start from there. And we go back and get things right. That's conviction. Condemnation is where people walk away. You see those that were there to condemn? They got condemned. They left. The people who have conviction sit there and go, Yes, I love you. I embrace you. I want to help you all I can. But here's what you got to do. Don't keep living like you're living. Find a different way to live. 
Because your mind, your body is no longer yours. Because every time we have intercourse, what happens? You give part of your heart to that person. <coughs> and then you give another part. Another part. No wonder why so many people today have broken hearts. No wonder why so many people today are saying, I will never get married again. No wonder so many people are hurt. They busted through the garden and no one told them there's a sharp curve ahead. No one told them there's a big drop off. Everybody's just saying, do whatever makes you happy. Drive as fast as you want to drive. Get as close to the edge as you want to go. And no wonder we're dealing with issues because people have taken things and gone society's way rather than the way of the scripture. Sex is the glue that holds your hearts together. And once you have that broken, who can fix this? I can't glue it back together. I can't separate these things. This is a place only God can heal. But I have great news for you today. Guess what? God heals every heart. Because my heart was filled with sin when I came to Him. My heart was broken when I came to Him. And guess what He did? He gives me a new heart. And He washes me white stuff. And He repairs all the damage that sin did in my life. God can heal you and me and everyone else. He can take your heart and make it brand new. Make it whole. Make life worth living. Give you something to give to somebody else. I give you my whole heart. Isn't that great when you can give your heart to somebody? I give my heart to Sandy in 1978. This year, 40 years. I gave my heart to her and she took it. And she didn't give it back. And I, she gave me her heart, and I took it, and I hold on to it. And her heartbeat is my heartbeat. We both want the same thing. We are two ox. We're yoked together, and we're going at the same pace, at the same speed, in the same direction. Because that's what God wanted to do in our marriage. And he wants that in every marriage. And you may say, well, pastor, it's too late for me today. Hey, we can stop and recalibrate you can stop and get things going in the right direction. It's never too late. It's never too late. You may say, well, this is going to take a lot to get this thing turned around. Good. God can help you turn it around. No matter what you've done, where you're at, you may go, Pastor, this is all messed up for me. Okay. God can fix it. God can get you living in such a high place in life. You're not going to fall. You'll fall in love with Him. God can help you get everything straightened out. He can give you a brand new heart. He can give you a brand new life. He can make things brand new. The Bible tells us that He, He, whenever we, we call upon Him, He gives us a brand new, we're a brand new creation. We are His handiwork. He is our God and we are His people. And God can help you if we understand. And we get things in the right direction. Because it's not an event. Sex is not an event, but it is a process. 
James 5.16 says this, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.